Listener Production. Hi, this is Paul McIntyre. Welcome to the MI3 Audio Edition. I've been a business journalist for 25 years covering the marketing, media, agency and tech sectors. In this series, we talk to industry leaders about the global and local developments that you need to be across this week. Well, we're about to get into scary territory for blokes, and literally. Why? Because exactly one month out from today is International Women's Day. We're starting early, and we've got two blokes, three if you count me, who are about to discuss casual misogyny with two women. This is territory that gets me nervous, confused, and annoyed. And as it turns out, I'm predictable. Most men are in the same camp when it comes to gender equality. In fact, men are disengaging from the gender equality debate at such a rate that a group of women and men across the media, advertising, and tech sectors are now attempting to reframe the whole thing. Last year, Inocean CEO Jasmine Badir launched an industry gender equality initiative called Fuck the Cupcakes but she's now so concerned that men are pulling back for all the reasons I'm messed up about that Fuck the Cupcakes is about to launch a new initiative with cross-sector backing from media, brands and agencies designed to bring the men back. And on this podcast, we've got two men cool to talk about their journey, prefaced entirely like me that we don't have our shit together on any of this. I, for example, have no idea why it's pejorative to call women girls or chicks when blokes and boys is okay. And why my wife and her friends, who are ferocious advocates for gender equality, use all of those terms and have no problem me doing likewise. I'm also perplexed as to why MI3 had a steady stream of complaints that we were a boys club, but they stopped pretty quickly when I started using generic pictures rather than headshots of the people in our stories when the ratios were too skewed to the Y chromosome. Never mind the voices in those stories were still not at the right gender ratios, nor that I personally find it much harder, with exceptions, to have women contribute publicly to industry debate. I spend much more time trying to convince women firstly to engage, then say what they really think. Yet I get fried for perpetuating the patriarchy. I guess I'm most disappointed that the boys' club barbs were about picks, not the content or that the protests were only pixel deep. Equally, I'm perplexed by conversations I have with industry where the appointment of white women to CEO positions across tech, agency and media is now met with complaints that it's not diverse enough, that 40-something white women are the new me, 50-something white men. I also drop my jaw when I read federal bureaucrats trying to replace the use of terms like pregnant women and breastfeeding to, wait for it, birth givers, lactating parents and pregnant people. I'm usually reluctant to say any of this publicly because I've been labelled an anachronistic 50-something white male, which obviously I am. But if we're going to get somewhere with men involved, it looks like we need to have more of these conversations. So enough of my laments. We're going to hear about what next for gender equality across the industry and how to get men properly engaged beyond virtue signalling. Joining the panel today are four people and companies jumping in the deep end on this. As I mentioned, Jasmine Badir is here, joined by 10 Viacom CBS Chief Sales Officer Rod Prosser, Alyssa Bartlett, Chief People and Culture Officer at JC Deco, and Adam Finesse, Managing Director at Impact.com. Welcome to you all. Now, Jasmine, to you first. Have I just dug myself a ditch and buried myself forever? And what are you seeing now in the gender equality debate across the advertising, media, and marketing tech, uh, tech sectors? You're a bit concerned, right? Welcome, by the way. 
thank you for having us. Uh, what a lovely uh, conversation to have with someone that comes across this morning as incredibly scared like you off the topic, you know, d digging yourself a ditch. <laughs> for the record, I'm shitting myself, Jasmine. But anyway, here we go. I think this is a perfect example of where we're at uh, in the conversation because it's been really, really hard for me to actually have a conversation with men, uh, men in the industry, but just men in general, um, to be able to speak um, about this broader topic, which I call casual misogyny, but also it's kind of it's everyday sexism because it can feel so incredibly daunting and, and, and scary to not, you know, to say the wrong thing, not sure what your role in it is. And in particular, I mean, if you were a white uh, uh, male in your 50s, um, your lived experience is so significantly different to the people that uh, we're talking about um, in, in this conversation, which is uh, women. Then I can I can totally relate to that. I can totally understand where you're coming from and where you um, where you might feel that oh my god I don't even know how to talk about it today. Am I going to get it ripped apart? The the short answer to this is absolutely not. This is really really great um, because um, we need more of these conversations. Otherwise, we're not going to get anywhere. You know, women are talking to themselves at the moment. We don't have enough men in the room. Well, just go there. What is the problem? What is the problem? What is the problem you're seeing? You've launched Fuck the Cupcakes um, last year. And uh, the big concern that's both your scene, I think a lot of the research, whether it's this sector, our sector or beyond, uh, men are disengaging. What is going on there? It's it's really, uh, it's, it's rather complex, but I'll try to break it down for you. So the conversation is either in the media and in the press, if you see look what's happening in, in, in pop culture and society and in politics, it's it's either about assault and rape and like horrible things that shouldn't be happening and should be a crime versus uh, men thinking that they are doing the right thing. And it's that gray space in between that uh, men don't know what we actually want from them as women. They, they don't understand it. And I can tell that you guys uh, don't understand it, which is fair enough. And um, so the space we're talking about that sits in between is where men believe that what they're doing at the moment is enough just by simply not assaulting your co-worker or being a horrible, uh, um, violent partner is means that it relieves you from doing anything further. And that's understandable because your lived experience, I think we speak for all women when we say we're actually jealous of the lived experience of uh, men, middle-aged men, because you've, you've, you have had it... Um, quite a lot easier in so many ways uh, than we would have had. And explaining that to men, what that actually means, takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of effort to unpack it. So I think we're so opposed in this conversation at the moment that one gender is either trying to hide and run the other way and the other one is just running around in a room with their hair on fire. Right. And so just, you know, when you talk about um, casual misogyny or uh, what did you say, basically cultural sexism or something you called it, what, what, what do you mean by that? So you're right in that, you know, I can sit there and go, oh, I'm horrified at some of the, the overt and obvious things that happen to women uh, at, at that really top crime level and just, just outrageous stuff. But this is not what we're talking about. So what, what, what do you, when you get down further underneath that, what is it? What is casual misogyny? So, it's all, so this is all connected, right? Because the everyday behavior normalizes um, misogyny, basically. So the everyday sort of everyday sexism and casual 
um, conversations that we're having are basically perpetuating um, the bigger problem and it all hangs together. But basically, I can I can guarantee you that you wouldn't have been asked in the past before um, you know, whether uh, you might open your blouse a little bit further for a client conversation. I can guarantee you that no one's ever asked you if you're in a bad mood because you're on your period. Um, I can guarantee you also to, to just stay with current references out there that, uh, that you wouldn't need to smile more in meetings to get your um, point across or, you know, being called uh, aggressive when whereas a, a, a man saying the same sentence is called um, passionate. Um, they're just sort of like lots of examples that we've all got from women. Some of the stuff has happened even to me. So it is there and that's what we mean. So that's the stuff that is so deeply ingrained in in, in, in our fabric that you, we've been living with this for a long time. So, and it's, it's not changing. It's not it's not going away. And it just seems to be acceptable most of the time. Well, I'm going to talk to two of the uh, the blokes on this thing in a second, but in terms of where you feel the industry is at, uh, Jasmine, um, where where wh- has there been any progress, or is it just literally uh, are we are we sort of treading water? The industry, I think, is is a reflection of what happens in society, what we see in politics, pop culture, etc. Right. So we we create communications. And um, that influence um, what happens in, in society. society. We create ads that show uh, women in, in a certain way, but also men in certain stereotypes. Um, we, we know from statistics, from lots of studies that have been done, um, that change isn't happening. There might be small pockets of progress, but the reality is overall we, we seem to um, in, so, in some instances, we seem to be going backwards. In particular, um, over the past two years, um, women have reported and things have actually gotten worse for them. And you, you also see that, and I think Australia has dropped significantly in sort of um, UN rankings around um, the equality index, indexes, um, et cetera. So um, I think our industry is just part of the overall sort of uh, culture and it's, it's, it's no different here. We'll, we'll get more to the details of this initiative you're doing um, across the industry later in the podcast, but just as an important context of why Rod and Adam are here and talking about it, you've got something going with uh, a bunch of media agencies, uh, or sorry, a bunch of agencies, media, tech companies, marketers, brands, to work on re-engaging men. Very quickly, just give us a sense before we get to um, Rod and Adam, who are who are a part of this initiative. Yes, thank you. So, so basically, um, we've come to the realization that um, the that the conversations that we're happening are predominantly with women, and women obviously are affected by this, and just keep repeating the facts all over again. But we're not progressing by just talking to ourselves. So um, we are the only ones in the room at the moment, and we understand the difficulties um, that we're facing by getting men into the room and actually even talking about their experience and their points of view in here and what we need to do to solve this problem together. So we decided to actually um, create a little bit of a men's group um, within Fuck the Cupcakes and actually bring men in to help us solve this so that we don't have to do this by ourselves. And so we created a campaign, or we're in the progress of creating a campaign that actually focuses on men and um, giving men permission to come into the room with us and be engaged and um, unpacking it for them. Um, the benefits of um, more equal um, playing fields and what's also in for them because this is not just about um, women um, 
feeling more equal, this will have a significant impact on men also. And that is a really positive one, which we always forget. We're just talking about the one gender at the moment. So breaking down barriers and making men feel part of it and doing this together is the way forward. And for that, we needed um, men to obviously um, work on this project so that we get the language right, that there's some ownership there. And that's why I think... um, Adam and Rod are also here. Well, I was going to say, allegedly, we've got two men on the panel and we're about to have a conversation with them. Rod, um, let's start with you, uh, 10 Viacom CBS. You're part of this this, this campaign, that this initiative that, um, that Jasmine's put together. Um, before we get into some of the, the curly stuff, just your, your, your journey, Rod, like where, where do you sit? What's your, being, your experience? You know, 10 Viacom CBS are full on into, into the uh, DNI um, initiatives, but what's been your journey so far and why are you, where are you at? With a big caveat that you actually don't have your shit together like me, I think. <laughs> sure, thanks, Paul. Um, look, like many men, I've walked into the wor- workforce not really understanding um, the challenges women face. Um, and face on a daily basis just to perform their jobs in a fair and e- equal way to their male colleagues. So I guess, you know, as a, as a young man, I was completely naive. And, and that quickly changed, um, you, you know, basically because from what I saw was a, a, an extreme, some of the things, was, was quite a shock. But I think really what, what really opened my eyes was um, having worked for some really strong individuals, and many of them women. Um, and watching what those women uh, experienced uh, again on a daily basis and the challenges for them to sort of forge ahead and, and some of the things, you know, being present, um, listening to what Jasmine was, was saying, some of those things being said in front of me really kind of struck a chord with me. Uh, and Jasmine and I were talking one day over a bite to eat and um, we were talking about this initiative and it, and, it, and it really resonated. And what really resonated with me, to be honest with you, Paul, was the fact that men have to be the change makers. Um, it, without, without men being involved, we've only got half the conversation. And I, I think if we don't, if we don't galvanise that cohort, uh, we're, we're not going to progress. And so that, that, that was what hit, the, hit, hit home with me. And I think this is, a, this is a really interesting initiative. And I think Jasmine's point is right. We kind of want to open up the discussion because men are, men are scared for various reasons. And having said that, I will say, say this. There is, there is a lot of good men out there with great intent. Uh, they just don't know how to have the conversation. And this is what this is all about. Adam, your journey too, right? Because, um, you know, you, you've, uh, what I'd say probably the last five or 10 years, you've made some real change in your world and your mindset. But just talk us through what you were, because apparently you weren't that pleasant. <laughs> yeah, thank Nor you. are you, by the way, middle-aged, by the way, as much as uh, I'm, I and Rod might be middle-aged, you don't look middle-aged, just saying. Mate, 45. Oh, year. I'll take it all back. Yeah, so now now you made me even more, more nervous. But, okay, so eight or nine years ago, Eight or nine years ago, I got sacked from my role at uh, Southern Cross Stereo. I was the director of sales for, for Brisbane, and I got sacked. Um, I got sacked because I was told I was aggressive. Um, no, not even I was told. I was aggressive. Um, and I was a cardboard cutout, and I wasn't wanted in the company any, any longer. It was pretty much what I was told. Um, and I was like, okay. It's not them, it's me and what's going on. So this was eight or nine years ago and I, I was like, okay, 
what's what's going on? And I went through a whole process and I had some mentors and I, I read a lot and I, I listened to a lot of podcasts and I learned a lot about best self and worst self. And my worst self is aggressive, is arrogant, is direct, is short, is sharp. And I go into my worst self when I'm um, fearful and normally I feel that I'm worthless or I'm, I'm failing. And so I flick to this, this kind of this, this worst self. Um, and it goes through this process. I, I was like, okay, what is it that I really, really care about? What, what do I deeply care about? What is my, what is my sort of my, my purpose? And where I landed was I really care about three things. One is evolving. So being less of a dickhead, a better father, a better husband, a better human. The second is connecting people personally and professionally where they can help each other out. And then the third is teaching and, um, you know, sharing based on my many failures and a few, a few wins along, along the way. So I've been on this journey eight, nine, nine years and um, sort of cut to, the, cut to the chase. When I saw the post um, that Rod had posted and, and he, he posted he was going to join, you know, fuck the cupcakes and I, I was reading a little bit more about it. I thought this is something that um, I need to learn more about and I think I, I, think I can help. Um, and it sat to my core around evolving. It sat to my core around being able to connect people and um, and maybe I can I can share and I don't know enough. Um, and I also I've also come to the realization you pointed out that you know maybe I don't look forty five, but I'm definitely forty five. The only reason I don't look forty five is I had a shave and that was an accident. We can talk about that later. <laughs> um, but you know <laughs> I am I'm the problem. I'm the problem. I'm a forty five year old white, straight, affluent guy in tech. I'm the problem. So I need to be part of the solution. Um, and I don't know, I don't know enough. So I'm diving in and I'm feeling uncomfortable and I'm feeling really vulnerable and I'm really nervous. And I think that's the point. I think that's okay. Great points. And before we get back to um, Alyssa and Jasmine, I just want to ask both of you, Rod and Adam, um, what are the conversations that you're having with other men, either you know people that work for you or that you work with or in the industry? What are the conversations you're having with other blokes or are you having them at all, uh, blokes having these conversations um, uh, around, this, around this issue? Um, Adam, I'll, you're, on a, you're on a roll now. So do you, are you having those convos? Yeah. Our organisation, so impact.com, um, you know, we realise we're not perfect. We're imperfect as an organisation. We're imperfect as as individuals. But we're having more and more of these conversations. And I get called out on stuff as well. So let me give you an example. Um, and this was around Black Lives Matter um, and Black History Month. This was a little while ago. And I was I was you know reading about it. We were doing some initiatives internally, and I was I was posting in our Slack channel, um, you know, let's get behind this. Let's really support it. And I'm like, you know, Black Lives Matter. And then I posted, actually, all lives matter, right? I posted that in our Slack channel, and two people independently slacked me. One was a 23 year old guy, and the other was was a 26 year old guy, and he said, Adam, said Adam, you can't say that. And I was like, what do you mean? It's like what you don't realize is we know your intent, but but there's a movement around All Lives Matter and it's actually against sort of this Black Lives Matter. And it's not about, you know, not All Lives Matter, but it's putting a focus on Black Lives Matter and that's really important for this conversation. And I was so grateful to these two guys in my organization that called me out on, on 
you know, my um, incompetency. Um, and I was just like, okay, that's, that's, that's pretty, pretty cool. And so, you know, it's just, I'm, I'm seeing younger men um, really starting to think more around um, broader equality, um, certainly in our organisation. And I feel, I feel grateful that um, I'm being called out on these things because it helps me evolve. Just get better. And Rod, is 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 that your experience, or do you, and certainly, you know, maybe that's what's happening with younger men. You might have a different observation with your team, but also forty something blokes, thirty something, forty something, fifty somethings. Um, are we having the combo? Yeah, I, mean, I, I do have a slightly different um, view, which we'll get to. Um, but but first, I just wanted to pick up on that point that 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 Adam made is that I think it's okay to call out we're not perfect, and and we often say that, and and I think that's important. Because if you be too righteous, you'll only stumble at some part and then people give up. So I think that's a really important acknowledgement um, business and people need to make. Um, you know, look, in terms, of, um, in terms of the conversation, firstly, we're not having it enough, full stop. Um, and, and that is why this initiative is what it is. So um, I, I would like to have a, have, have a conversation on a more regular basis. Now, there's, there's reasons why men don't want to have the conversations. The, the, the uh, biggest reason, I think, is that they don't know how. Um, sadly, the other reason is um, they are a misogynistic male um, and they don't want to. And then, and then lastly, is, uh, I think there's this whole notion around um, oh gee, I did this in my past, or I've been involved in this company in the past, that might pop up. Or if I say something, how's my male leader going to look at me? Do I look woozy if I'm, 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 I'm sticking up or making a comment or um, saying that's inappropriate when, he, when they see um, inappropriate things happening to women? So it is, as you rightly pointed out at the start, a very nuanced conversation that men um, have trouble with. And I think that's not permission for us not to have the conversation. It, and more and more, it, 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 it sort of resonates with me, is we have to get the male change makers within business to start the conversation. And so, Alyssa and Jasmine, what, um, what do you make of what you've just heard from these two cats? And uh, what conversations are you having? Are you having conversations with, with men in your organisations? And how does that look? Is it the same as what we're, we're hearing from, from Adam and, and, and Rod? Um, Alyssa, welcome, by the way. It's your, <laughs> at JC Deco. Um, what, what is happening there? Yeah, thanks, Paul. Hi, thanks for having me. And, and can I just say how excited JC Deco is to be part of such a courageous and authentic initiative. Um, I think where I'd start is just to say that um, what I've noticed at JCD Co isn't any different really, Paul, to other organisations or industries I've been in over the last 20 years and really every day I see examples of casual misogyny um, which could be from you know women being labelled emotional because they show passion um, in meetings um, through to, you know, just the other day a man standing at the door saying I'm not sure whether I should be opening the door to women um, is that going to be perceived as the right, the right or the wrong thing to do? So, I think the topic that we're talking about today is is something that absolutely needs to be addressed. It needs to be discussed. Um, you know, one example I thought I would share from a previous organisation is working very closely with a senior female leader who. Um, 
came into my office one day, she was crying, she was visibly really upset, um, saying that she'd just uncovered that the male leaders that she worked with in her team had, without her knowledge, made a pact, we're never going to swear in front of her or use foul language because she's a lady. Now, interestingly, while their intention, I'm sure, was to treat her with what they thought was respect, her perception was the opposite. You know, she was being singled out. She wasn't being treated fairly or equally as a leader. Um, and interestingly, she actually exited the organisation not long after. So so I think for me, there's, you know, this concept that we've been talking about today, which is this unintentional casual misogyny is clear. Um, and I think that's why we have to get these concepts out in, into the open. Um, you know, one of the things that we've certainly done at JCD Co over the last few months is come up what we think is a progressive diversity and inclusion strategy. And we've really put gender equality at, at the heart of that. So, you know, this year we're planning to roll out education programs for both males and females on gender equality, designing a future leaders program, um, and, you know, recently we've actually um, promoted a number of female talented individuals across the workforce um, into leadership roles prior to them either going on or returning from parental leave. And um, for us, that's all about merit-based promotion, focusing on capability um, rather than, you know, focusing on males or female quotas. Okay, so let me ask, Just let's just go there. Let me ask them those curly questions and get um, uh, Alyssa and, and Jasmine's um, view on it. So is opening the door patronising? What's the thing for me with girls versus chicks versus boys versus blokes? Jasmine, are you the new 50-white-year-old male because you're a white CEO of an agency? Um, let's, so what are we supposed to For the start with the boys and chicks and, and blokes and girls thing? Patronising? Should I be? Shouldn't I? My wife says, does it? I don't know what to do. What, what what do you suggest? You know what? I think you usually need to ask the you you know if you ask people um, how they what they would like to be called, it's usually a very straight answer. But I mean, that's like girls or boys. Let let me let me start you there. I've made the mistake sometimes, you know, to call the creative guys, you know, the boys, and um, that might also not be okay. But uh, I think because we are having such a regular dialogue, you can actually just go, "Sorry, was that?" stupid that I just called you that should I do that differently and then you get an answer but because we're never talking about these things right you're just making assumptions in your head and then you don't do anything or there's some sort of apathy because you assume that something might be wrong so I think um, in some in some instances uh, calling someone girls and boys because you have a very close relationship and you know exactly where each other stand where you stand you know in the debate you're able to do so with others it might not be appropriate in a more professional setting does that make sense? I mean, that's sort of like, that's a simplified uh, um, view on this, but um, I think it all comes down to actually seriously talking about it. And I, I think that's, uh, that's a point that I wanted to, um, a really big point that I wanted to make. I found it incredibly hard, even my organization, to have the conversation because the men were getting really, really uncomfortable about it and they were a little bit scared. So, 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 so what does it mean for me? What am I supposed to do? Am I doing something wrong? And um, that comes from a, from a place of really not knowing what's right or wrong. But once you start uh, talking about it, it becomes very clear that this can be broken down very easily. And once they understand 
what we what we want from them that we actually just want them to ask us or to join us and, and ask questions about it and and join their um their their female colleagues uh, around a chat around potentially uh, parental leave you know like maternity leave paternity leave or conversations around or or, or or pulling each other up on when someone says something that might not be appropriate and giving them permission to do that that we have got their backs we're not going to rip each other apart we just got to hold each other accountable and that includes myself women as well you know because we're not perfect either so no one in this debate is perfect and therefore it can't be so black and white we really got to lean into the and to the shades of grey in between here. Uh, lactating parents versus breastfeeding mother? Well, you know, I have a lot of things to say around what the government does at the moment, so I'm not sure we want to go there. That's going to be a long <laughs> sort of political uh, podcast. That is the... the this is a, the, the conversation around pronouns and sexuality. That's a whole other ball game, which gets you very quickly into this whole um, situation where... Uh, for instance, I'll give you an example. I try to focus at the moment on gender equality. And what I'm getting is, but what about climate change? What about uh, LGBTQI? And what I say to this is always like, that's great. If you're passionate about that, do something. I'm just focusing on the one thing that I can focus on right now, right? Because there is a myriad of problems that we need to tackle. This initiative is at the moment just purely focusing on leveling the playing field between uh women and men, um, and that's it. So the, the, the issue, though, there, uh, Jasmine, is that in some ways it is all interconnected, at least for, for, for me as a bloke trying to work out, you know, in, in a gender context, uh, equality context and beyond, um, I sit there and I, I join the dots and go, well, to me, girls and boys versus lactating parents um, uh, is sort of the same, same issues I'm grappling with, what do I do? How do I say it? Where, how do I frame it? So there is an interconnectedness there that I, I, you know, blurs the lines. You did exactly the right thing there. You're admitting that you're not quite sure what to call these people. And in, in the benefit of that, I always ask people what they would like to be called and whether they're comfortable with it. If they are a lactating parent, uh, whether they have, you know, because that comes down to sexuality. And I think we could just got to ask the same whether we need to ask women and men that they're, what they are comfortable with, with behaviours in the room, when other genders are present that applies to this conversation also. It doesn't relieve us from being an inclusive society in general, right? So I'm part of uh, the Ad Council's Diversity and Inclusion Committee. So in, in, I'm talking about a lot about um, minority groups, colour, um, you know, sort of uh, privilege, wealth uh, versus, you know, people that are coming from from different, um, you know, backgrounds and how we're including them also. So it doesn't, you know, obviously just because I'm focusing on gender now, it doesn't relieve me from all of my other duties to just be a generally, you know, inclusive person. But really, I think uh, if we had more of these conversations around it in terms of what's the right or wrong around calling someone a lactating parent or a mother or a father, we probably would be okay, would be in a much better place. Can I say that I will get into tr- Sorry, Rod, go. I would say this on, on that point. You are not alone. Uh, the, the majority of people, I think, find it. Um, there's complexities. And again, it goes back to that point around conversations. I think this is where corporations need to stand up. A lot of, a lot of corporations say something to say something, but there's, there's no um, 
it's all talk, no walk. And I think this is, for, for me personally, feel so blessed with um, the business that I work for, 10 Bike on CBS, that we have a really robust program running around DEI, DEI which really is educating our people um, on, on many of the topics that we're talking about today. And it's education, and then followed by that, it's the conversation. So, you know, I, I would say, you're not alone. Yeah, thank you. And I, but I would say that I'm probably um, going to get fried again. Is that I just I'm not a fan of lactating parents. I think it dehumanises a woman and their uniqueness of their mothers, fathers, whatever. So I got a problem there, and that I, I you know, I, I take the point. I've got to be mindful of what people want. But I'm going to ask Alyssa. So. Um, Opening the door for a woman, like what you talked about, that example you gave, is, is that patronising? Is it patronising to some women but not to others? So therefore you ask, Should I, can I open the door? What, what, do, we, what do we do? Great question. And, and unfortunately, I don't think there's one answer. I think, I think it is about the, that a particular individual and I think it is about asking the question. So, I mean, I think what we're talking about today, it's not so much about what are the words I should say at that moment that's going to work for every female I think about it's asking yourself, how well do I know this individual? Do I have a strong relationship with them? And it's actually stopping before I take that action and saying, you know, I'd really like to open the door for you. That's something I've always done. How do you feel about that? Right. And you might only need to ask it once, but then, you know, so I feel it's really important to focus not only on the words, but what are the skills that we need to elevate, which is asking those questions and making sure we're not making assumptions that is actually going to solve this issue in the longer term. Is there some license there for intent though? So, you know, the, the well-meaning intent, not, not meaning, and now I'm not saying that it doesn't happen because it does. There's bad intent intent and bad behavior. But I think about, you know, I think about opening a door um, or, you know, uh, letting a woman go first through or doing like those things, which I'm sorry, I was brought up like that. And that's kind of, it's ingrained. And I sort of, some of the time, not all the time, do that. And to then be stopping and asking every woman that I come across whether I can or should, it's a pain in the ass, to be honest, but there's intent. Oh, no, no, let's not do that. And, you know, intent is so important, isn't it? It's, um, to be honest, we all do things that we're doing because we've learned them in a certain way. And we're also we're not focusing on people here that we cannot change because they are just uh, stuck in their ways and they are doing it deliberately. We want to engage with the majority of men that actually want to do the right thing. And um, I think um, the best way of talking also um, about any problem that you might think, oh, that might have been a little bit wrong. It's like you don't need to pull up someone in, in a moment and say, oh, I don't like what you're doing immediately. You can also have a think about it and pull someone aside later and say, hey, I've been thinking about this. And I just wanted to let you know that maybe um, what you did in there wasn't good or maybe the other women perceive it in a certain way. I just wanted to let you know or even like talking about it in, as a group. If my, I mean, per, to, per, to be perfectly honest about your, your worry that you have about opening the doors for women... I think it's lovely. Continue opening the doors for women. I don't think there will ever be women that are going marching on the streets going, oh, my God, they're holding the doors open for, for us. Doubt that's going to happen. Here's the challenge, Paul. Open the door for both men and women. And just be, that, then, you're, then you're just a really nice guy. That's a fair point. But, uh, well, I'll try that with you next time I see you, Rod. I don't know how it's going to go down. Adam, what do you make of lactating parents and opening doors? I open doors for males, females, young, old. 
I'll open a door just because I think it's the right right thing to do. But I do I do think about it, Paul. Like I I, I think about it. But something um, you know that was just said by by Alyssa. I think that's uh, just asking the question in certain situations is probably a really good thing, and that's a great a great point and something I've I've, I've certainly learned from this this um, conversation. But yeah, the lactating parents thing. I'm with you on that, Paul. Like I I I do struggle. I do struggle with with that. Can I refer to you as a lactating parent? Or I, 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 just, <laughs> I know I, it's I, very 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 difficult concept i'm sorry i'm old but but it does get to this i mean what it points to though is you know um are we allowed to have the discussion that says is some of this shit getting carried away with ourselves so lactating parents are you allowed to say yeah i don't don't know whether that's really pushing the envelope and that's at a that's at a generic level where you've got academics and linguistics talking through all those things that have got you know gender neutrality and it's sort of quite academic but it's being pushed down into the mainstream we have to ask the same question or we have to be allowed do we, are we allowed to ask the same question of the industry? Are they disconnected? Are they disconnected? Politicians, the people that are saying this, are they actually disconnected to the reality? I don't know, Jazz. What's your what's your what's your view? No, what I would say to this, to be honest, we're not authorized to have the conversation about this topic <laughs> at all around lactating parents, unless any one of you here is at the moment a non-cis. Uh, parent or uh, we're not the authority on this one and I doubt a lot of politicians actually don't have the conversation with the right people about it either, right? Clearly this is coming from somewhere so someone feels uncomfortable about it and, you know, I have enough queer friends that have children that really struggle with uh, that topic and how to, to, what to be called and how to make it comfortable for them so that just must be coming somewhere. I'm not qualified to comment on that at all but uh, I think we should probably... Instead of us coming to conclusions on this, we should probably ask those people how they feel about it. Well, no, to be fair, it's a parallel. To be, I would say that there's a parallel here, and that firstly, I, I wouldn't blame the pollies on this. I think it's the bureaucrats and the academics and some other. So it's that the politicians are probably use, will use that as some sort of pushback in some way. But uh, it's definitely the bureaucracy and uh, that, that that's coming out of and in the context that I'm talking about. But we're not qualified to talk about lactating parents. But equally, um, you know, this concept of is it going too far and Part. So, you know, the diversity discussion, uh, Jasmine and Alyssa, are about white CEO females being not diverse enough now. I mean, like we, we're just trying to get to women full stop getting to their ratios, let alone um, ethnicity or diversity beyond. But is that is that now where we have got to – is that where the debate goes? Is that what we've got to consider or is it – you know, is it is it overreach? That's the there's the question from me. Sounds like a myth to me. I've I do not feel threatened at all. No, this is, to, to be fair, I won't. I can't go into detail. But whether it be the media sector, the tech sector, agency sector, that actually happened. Yeah, look, hundred percent. I just don't know whether we are threatened by it. I'm not threatened by it. I'd be incredibly pleased if we had uh, a more diverse uh, makeup in this country and. If uh, someone was taking my job that had a different skin color and comes from, I don't know, from a different background and has the same qualifications or even got in there because it is a sort of a, 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 um, a, a sort of gender affirmative or um, race affirmative action, so be it. That's progress. I think it feels very scary when something is being taken away from you, when you feel like a privilege is being taken away from um, from us, I don't think women personally. I don't. I don't feel threatened by it. That's what progress is like. Um, 
to be honest. We've lived with that. We lived in that way for a very long time. Um, I don't know, Alyssa, what do you think? Yeah, look, I think it's, it's really interesting. I actually want to point out the fact that you're talking about quotas there, Paul. And and personally speaking, and, and this is maybe just, you know, the view that I have, for me, it's not about quotas. Yeah, we're not talking about having a certain number of females in a certain number of roles. It's about equality. Um, and that's, you know, where I come from is that we should always be promoting people into senior roles, whether it's a CEO, C-suite roles based on merit, based on capability. Your gender to me is, is, is a non-factor. And that's where I want to get to. I want to get to a place where we're not talking about having to, you know, fill a particular quota, but actually treating men and women as equal and the best candidate gets the job. Quotas. I've got to ask Jasmine, okay, because that's, that's, that's a fuzzy subject i don't believe uh, i think merit is something made up uh, merit actually doesn't exist i always tell my male counterparts of a woman you need to look for opportunity not proof because the women haven't been gave, given the same chances they haven't been given the same briefs and creative departments they haven't had the opportunities to do the networking etc I think in some instances, quotas uh, would be a good thing. Every organization needs to decide that for themselves. But I don't have a problem with quotas at all. Okay. Um, Adam, um, just let's just get well, a little bit of your thoughts on quota. You're running a company and quotas. But also with everything we've just been talking about, is these are some of the things, are these are things that, that men want to talk about what we've been talking about now or do they want to be is, is this the sort of stuff that will get them back because this whole conversation is about is around an initiative that is to re-engage men so as much as I might be engaged in you know voicing my laments um, with some um, some some nervousness um, is is uh, is this going to be is this the sort of conversation we need to get blokes back in in the game oh look I've been quite public about this I think um, we have a we have a duty as a, as a broadcaster as as do the rest of the media um, to really reflect all of Australia and for us that's both on screen and behind the screen, uh, whether that be um, internally with the makeup of our departments. So if, if putting targets and quotas in place uh, to make sure that we are reflecting uh, all of Australia, well, then we should do that. And, and look, we, we've, we've um, made some great progress within our business um, around that. But I think that the word quota sometimes sounds harsh and, and it, 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 I don't think that it feels rewarding when, when, when people get promoted into a position because you've got a quota. So I think it's how it's, how it's framed. So look, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a firm believer that we need to reflect all of Australia. Rod? Look, I, I hope so. I hope there's almost like a, an amnesty around it, right? It's, it's like just just talk about it and whatever you say, um, know that you may say some wrong things or you may say some right things, but let's just learn together. Let's be kind of vulnerable. Let's engage the people that, that know more than we that we know and let's just have a conversation. So I really hope it, I hope it does, Paul, um, you know, um, we just all have to just just progress, just get a little bit better every single day. Okay, so let's just go, uh, Jasmine. Let's get to some detail on this initiative and what you what what we're going to see, what you want to see uh, happen as a result. What what are we going to see from this initiative? Uh, what is it? You've got a quite cross sector of support. You still want some brands coming on. I think you've got DHL that's that's joined. But what's uh, what's the agenda here? So we have, um, so first of all, I need to say thank you to um, obviously Adam, Rod, um, all the other people from, so we've got Jason Tonelli from Mercer Bell, 
who's also part of this. We've got um, people from Edelman uh, PR working on this. We've got Hearts and Sciences Media Agency on this. But from a media um, provider sort of or, or, or a media uh, perspective, we've got JCD Co. obviously, which is amazing. Um, we've got uh, Velmorg and Hoyts. Um, we've got ARN. We really need to say thank you to these people to also um, giving us a reach that this campaign um needs so what you will see is um basically an initiative or a a, a campaign is created by um a variety of agency partners in this country that believe uh, in this issue to um and in, in its first step as a teaser campaign um trade teaser campaign to um bring broader um sort of awareness to the campaign and brands to get buy-in so we need broader support to make this a real success and in its second stage, um, we will see a full campaign targeting men um, with um, humor on their own terms, basically, without making this like a talking down educational campaign, telling them what to do. We're asking them if they uh, come along with us and be the change. Um, there will be a um, site, so be the change.com.au, um, where um, we are elevating content from a variety of men's organizations, men's charities um, that um, sort of aggregate really, really good content that are focusing on uh, what men could be doing in its simplest form, um, how to have a conversation, um, how to, uh, you know, like it just gives gives you a lot of tools and tricks. Also, how to, well, how do you make the most of an International Women's Day as a man? What's your own responsibility here, potentially? How do you come along, you know? Um so really positive. It's totally very positive. Uses a little bit of humor um, to get men in and not feel so offside. Um, and that's launching post-International Women's Day. So we're aiming to have that live in April. But in order to get this campaign, the reach that it um, needs and deserves, we're just hoping for some more brands to come along and support the amazing media partners that we have already brought together. There's a hint. Um, okay, so this is a start. This is just a start. I, I, I guess the, the to wrap this up, because I think we've – I didn't realise how – quickly we'd blown the time on this but um to to each of you just a quick wrap up i guess on for you individually for your organizations and and your expectations at a sort of a sector level uh what next and what does progress look like for you individually in the next 12 months around the gender equality um sort of issue um adam we'll start with you i think it's just do something Simple as that. Just do something. That's actually quite palatable. <laughs> it's a simple thing. Just do something. You know, it's 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 you get your head around that one. Um, Rod, uh, what's next? What does progress look like next twelve months for you? For, for me personally, um, this is this is high on the agenda, and and it's a part of the reason that that, that I got involved. Um, we have a, a strategic pillar that sits across our business, which is all around DE and I. So the ten Firecom CBS business is quite progressed in. Um, in this space and, and that will continue. I think the message that, that I'm going to send to men is that you can still look great sticking up for women. I mean, it's, it's, you shouldn't, we shouldn't shy away from it. We shouldn't shy away from the conversation. And really importantly, if we see behaviour that's not right, call it out. Um, and then lastly, this, this campaign is going to be epic. Uh, I think that um, the more brands that get behind it, um, the better it will be. So a call out to the brands. And, and lastly, um, a little shout out to 
um, FCK, the cupcakes.com. You can go on and get some uh, really great merchandise that um, Jazz and the team have pulled together. Oh, there's some merch, there's some merch going. Alyssa, um, you know, the next 12 months, what do you expect and what does progress look like for you, both to co and more broadly? Look, I think it's a really exciting time and I've loved having the conversation today. I mean, I think firstly, with Deco using our media platform to really supercharge this message out there in the community, I'm, I'm really hoping that the conversation starts um, and people do start talking, they start asking questions. And so for me, it's not about running. I think, you know, making some progress and having more collective awareness at JC Deco, but also in the community about what this gender equality actually means would be a, a win, I think, for this year. Um, and then I think a bit closer to home, we're wanting to progress, you know, the, those initiatives that we're doing in this space with our staff. So, um, yeah, looking forward to what comes this year. Jasmine, you get to wind this and wrap this thing up with um, some deep piece of insight and helpfulness to... Um, we three men here and beyond hit us oh help oh i'll hit you um i would love um for this initiative to get more men um to just come and talk to us and join us um and just understand the topic more from uh, the perspective of a woman um so if we manage to get just even a few more men in engaged and, and wondering what they could do they might then talk to their friends and their colleagues and their peers about it a little bit more. And we might break down sort of those really, really complex barriers around the topic. So more talk about it sort of in the next 12 months um, and sort of broad industry support um, so that we no longer just see uh, initiatives just aimed at women. Um, that's sort of, I'm not sure if that's deep enough for you. I just, I would personally like for you to still open doors for whoever you like to open doors for. Thank you, Jasmine. Or close them. Or, cl- or close <laughs> them. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That, that might be one for Rod, actually. I'll save that opportunity. Um, look, it's, it's a, genu- genuinely, I'm, I'm, um, I don't know how you're feeling, Adam, but it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. So it was a, a genuinely a good conversation. And I guess it's the, the, the space um, or, or the feeling that you can raise some of these questions that you have in your head um, where traditionally, historically, I will keep that to a couple of people where I feel safe about going, what about this? I don't get it, including Jen, my wife. And, and I actually, I did read her the intro to this before I, then I said, am I, are you going to see me again? Is this, should I be doing, should I be saying what I'm, what I'm saying? So she gave me the thumbs up and said, you know, knock yourself out. So I said, thank you. I think I will be knocked out. But all of that says it, it is, it is really in, um, in important to, to have the license to raise the questions and have the voice and articulate the confusion, perhaps the um, uh, the frustration as well. And all of that can only be a good thing, I think. As long as you're willing to listen, you can ask all the questions. That's the, That sums it up, I think. Right. Yes, boss. Taken. Note taken. Jasmine Badir, Rod Prosser, Alyssa Bartlett, Adam Furness, great conversation. Thank you for joining. Thanks for um, sort of going into new territory and uh, let's catch up in a few months and see how this thing rolls out. Stay safe. Thanks for joining. Thank you. Thank you. This MI3 Audio Edition was presented by Paul McIntyre. That's more. Producer Nick Slater. Music by Matt Dwyer. For more episodes, go to listener.com or download the Listener app and search MI3 Audio Edition to listen for free. Listener.